All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome in to The Rant. Uh, today, I have a lot of stuff that I want to cover. Uh, some of it good, some of it bad. Uh, some of it's uh, stuff that has pissed me off. Uh, other is a good breakdown of all the uh, young quarterbacks who have started their very first NFL starts or just some young quarterbacks who have been struggling. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to dive right into that. But first, I have to give a very, very, very special shout out to one of my big uh, fans and supporters, who is my little brother, Caleb. He turns 18 today. So happy birthday, uh, buddy. I hope you have a great day and you go out there, do whatever you want because you're 18. So yeah, do whatever you want. Uh, don't tell mom. Anyway, uh, <laughs> going to dive right in now to uh, some quarterback talk. So <clears throat> excuse me. I am so phlegmy when I get on here. Uh I'm going to start with uh, Baker Mayfield. We talked about a little bit yesterday. I'm going to dive deeper into his game uh, on Monday, uh, on Sunday night, dive into completion percentage and some of the things that uh, I think stats are kind of uh, not really showing. And the media continues to hype up how good of a quarterback they think Baker Mayfield is. But really, stats would tell you he's not, especially uh, as of uh, right now. So... Basically, he went 18 for 36, uh, but completed about 50% of his passes. He had one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked uh, three times, and uh, he's been sacked, uh, I, I think, I think it's uh, up to 11 times. Yeah, 11 times in total this year so far, which is unbelievable, which honestly shows that the, the really the, the main problem in Cleveland is the offensive line, which is what everybody said going in to the season was Cleveland's problem is offensive line. They don't have uh very, any like top notch player on the offensive line. In fact, they gave up one of their better offensive line players to go out and get uh, Olivier Vernon from the giants. So in essence, he didn't have a good game. The play calling was terrible and I don't see it getting any better. Uh, again, we, we talked about that yesterday about Freddie kitchens play calling, but uh, we're going to dive right in. Uh, to everything that's been transpiring overall in Baker Mayfield's uh, limited career here in the NFL. So right now, he is currently 1-6 versus winning teams in his entire career. Uh, in those seven games, he's thrown 11 touchdown passes to 12 interceptions. So he's giving the ball away more than he is scoring you points, which is not something you want. This year, in total, he's only thrown three touchdown passes, and he's thrown five interceptions. So as you can see, it's not going very well for Baker Mayfield. Again, a lot of this, I personally believe, is because they put him in this realm to succeed right away. They didn't give him the pieces to be successful. His offensive line is abysmal. It is in shambles. And... uh they're going to have to go and, and fix that. It, it, it doesn't matter how many stars you have on offense. If you can't uh, protect your quarterback, you're going to lose. Also, Baker Mayfield, another good stat for you. Baker Mayfield leads the NFL in interceptions over the last two seasons with 19 interceptions. Again, he gives the ball away. He makes bad decisions with the football. Now, some of those could be, uh, you know, coverage uh, opportunities. Some of that, it, it, I put most of that though on him. It is his fault for not making smart decisions with the football. But obviously, 
he doesn't have good play calling to go along with that, so it literally is just a big old stink sandwich. Like I said before, that fourth and nine call, when you run four straight goes or whatever it was, fourth and eight, whatever it was, you run four straight goes. You only need eight yards, and you run four straight goes. I don't understand how that play calling makes sense for a guy who had already been sacked three or three times in the game, and you make him throw the get rid of the ball, put it in a bad spot, whatever. Doesn't matter. He has no offensive line help. Why are you not running shorter underneath routes to help him get the ball out of his hands quicker? It feels like Freddie Kitchens is trying to figure out rocket science when it's not that hard. You have uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the best slant runners in, in the league. We saw what happened when you ran a slant against the Jets, who honestly don't have that bad of a secondary, uh, and it, he, he took it to the house. They, they, they keep making it more difficult on themselves by doing stupid things. I don't see it getting any better for Baker Mayfield. Uh, again, the stats will paint a picture for you to say, he is not in the right position right now. Uh, moving on. So Daniel Jones, 23 for 36 in his first NFL start with a 63.9 completion percentage. He had two touchdown uh, throws. He ran in for two more. He averaged 9.3 yards per attempt. Uh, but here's the hidden figure here. The Giants are allowing 33.3 points per game. That is the most in the NFL. Okay. You won't win games with a guy who is a rookie quarterback, right? They're going to start getting more and more film on him. They're going to understand his weak points, his strong points, right? That's what NFL defensive coordinators do. And you can't win games when your defense can't bail you out. The Giants' defense is abysmal, okay? They won a game in comeback fashion at the end. I think ultimately that's fool's gold. The inability for the Giants to protect Jones will also come into fruition and play a big role, okay, in the defense not being able to stop anybody. Everyone is getting on the Daniel Jones hype train. I'm not saying the kid isn't good, but don't expect him to win games in that kind of fashion every single week because it just can't be done. You can't always come from behind, and you can't do it when your defense consistently can't stop anybody. Again, things to understand. Stats aren't just BS. We say them because they help paint a picture in our heads of what is happening. The Giants do not have a good offensive line. They can't stop anyone on defense. They don't have great receiving weapons, and that's why Daniel Jones had to run the ball for two touchdowns or else he would have just passed. If they had good weapons, he would have passed all for all four. But he, he used his legs, and it was creative. And again, that was a defense's game plan when, when you go and game plan for Eli Manning He's a statue back there. He's not going to move. They Maybe they had a little bit of that game plan in for Daniel Jones because they weren't so sold on how mo mobile he was and how much uh, you know he could run in outside the pocket. Now that's going to be taken away. Teams are going to understand, okay, this kid could potentially come and drop out and, and really hurt us on the ground. <clears throat> so now we have to watch that. <clears throat> I'm not saying Washington is the team that's going to bounce back and, and beat these and beat the Giants, but just remember, they are playing uh, Washington. Washington has a pretty decent pass rush. Don't expect it to be Daniel Jones come from behind and winning. I don't think that's a constant theme. I think that is an outlier. It's going to be hard for Daniel Jones to be successful going forward. Gardner Minshew, okay? It was his first start on last Thursday, almost a week ago, right? And we kind of it kind of got brushed by the waist. I know some people talked about it during the week. So he had a 73.9 completion percentage. 
Right now, he leads the NFL, I believe, in completion percentage uh, for for all first-year starters and all rookies. Uh, he has five touchdowns and one interception on the year. Looks really good out there. He's having a lot of fun. He's got a few weapons around him. His offensive line is, is pretty good. They have some good players on the offensive line, right? Absolutely embarrassed the Titans on national television last week. Uh, and he makes good choices with the football. He doesn't throw it into bad spots. Like I said, he had one interception that came in that first relief effort when uh, in week one where Nick Foles got hurt. Uh, they play in Denver next week. I see them taking advantage of that bad Broncos team. Again, the, the defense is supposed to be the strongest point about uh, the uh, the Denver Broncos. I think that'll be a bit of a challenge for Minshew, but I can, I can see Minshew having another nice game. I think they are really demoralized over there in Denver. I think the team thought they would be better than what they are right now. They're 0-3, right? Uh, Garner Minshew has a lot of momentum coming out of that Thursday night game. I could see this game really... Uh, really being uh, another Gardner Minshew uh, highlight game where he throws for a couple scores and lights it up. Surprise of the week, really, for me, was Kyle Allen, uh, quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in the injured in the wake of the injured uh, Cam Newton. He went 19 for 26, had a 73.1 completion percentage. He threw four touchdowns and no interceptions. That's huge, okay? I understand it was uh, versus a very bad Cardinals team. But he had a nice game. He really did. He didn't give the ball up, and that's all you can ask from a guy when he comes in in the wake of an injury from a starter, right? You just want the kid to not give the ball away and do a good job, and he did more than that. He threw four touchdowns. So they're going to Houston next week. That's a, a definitely a different offense or a different defense and a different offense that they're going to play against the Cards. I don't see them winning that definitively there. I think it's going to be a tough game. We'll see how Kyle Allen fares coming in there but overall four touchdowns no interceptions you couldn't really ask for anything better and that high of a completion percentage and they didn't make him throw the ball right that's the whole point you don't want to have to make your new guy uh throw the ball christian mccaffrey had a great game they utilized their weapons on offense other than having this kid try to make a play he only had to throw 26 times that's perfect if you can throw under 30 times and your opener totally works in your favor it's great luke falk all right Real bad game, okay, versus one of the best defenses in football. He was sacked five times, right? Uh, he threw a bunch of interceptions. Uh, they had a bunch of fumbles and all sorts of stuff. It was a mess, right? He ended up throwing for like 98 yards or something. It, it was a terrible, terrible day. Uh, it's a dark day to be a Jets fan. They go into the bye week with lots of questions, not a lot of answers right now. And even if Sam Darnold is able to come back, they still are up shit creek without a paddle. Le'Veon Bell is averaging about 1.9 yards per carry right now. It is not looking good for them. They need to do a whole revamp. Um, Adam Gase, I think, should be on the hot seat. He kind of acted like an idiot when he got the job to begin with. I was not sold on Adam Gase at all. I think with the, there were other coaches that they could have maybe uh, tried, maybe guys from college or whatever. Uh, we'll see. I think he's on the hot seat. I think this is this is a miserable team. Uh, just even without having Sam Donald, this, their ability to just look like they have no clue what's going on. I understand Luke Falk's the third string guy after Trevor Simeon got injured, but you just, you're supposed to have the strength of running the football with Le'Veon Bell and you can't even do it. So horrible, horrible, uh, situation 
in New York with that. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to beat Luke Falk up. He's a third string quarterback, got thrown into a really shitty situation. And I think Adam Gase, his head's just too far up his rectum to figure out what he's doing. That leads me over to my guy, Mason Rudolph. He had uh, went 14 for 27, had a 51.9% completion percentage of two touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked twice. This statistic is kind of jaded because really it has nothing to do with his ability. It was 100% based on the scared play calling all the way through the first three quarters of this game. He only completed two passes beyond the line of scrimmage, okay? That shows you right there, that stat alone, that they were scared to let him throw the ball deep. And when he did throw the ball deep, or at least threw it downfield for longer than, you know, 10 yards, both of the times they went big and they scored touchdowns on both those plays. So it's incredible. I don't understand why they were scared and living in their fears. That's a thing that Mike Tomlin has preached at nauseum on repeat like a broken freaking record is we don't live in our fears when they, in fact, all they did was live in their fears. Uh, it was probably the most scared play calling I've ever seen from a team that has nothing to lose at this point. Uh, not only that, but they got the five turnovers from San Francisco in that game, and they couldn't do anything. They couldn't run the ball. In fact, a crazy stat is James Conner is not breaking first contact Okay, he is getting tackled on first contact and going to the ground 88% of the time. This is the guy who had a highlight reel season last year of breaking multiple tackles, stiff-arming people, and always falling forward. Right now, he's getting blown over by a, like a, like you know a, like a, a very swift breeze, uh, you know, a f- very light in the pants right now. He's not running with any authority. 88% of the time, Someone comes and hits him. He's going down. That is a horrific stat. They can't run the ball. They're not letting their quarterback throw the ball downfield. It is an entirely big shit sandwich all the way across the board for the Steelers. The only good news they have is that they're going into Monday night playing another bad team who has yet to win a game. And hopefully they learn from their mistakes and allow Rudolph to throw the ball downfield on a Bengals defense who has allowed a plethora of big plays in the secondary. Uh, Go watch their last three uh, negative tape reels and you'll just see gaping holes in the secondary where guys have run free, where no one around them for miles. They need to exploit that. Cincinnati has also given up the most rushing yards on defense in the league. They're averaging a, a 168 yards uh, per game on the ground. Uh, they need to get the running game going, whether that means moving away from Connor, who's having a rough go of things and moving to somebody else or back by committee. doesn't matter. They need to play better and their play calling has cost them a game in which they should have won by multiple scores. Uh, it was a horrible game all the way around top to bottom, all three phases of the game. And the, so the stats really lie to you there on, on Mason Rudolph. He didn't look scared, but the play calling was scared. Terrible, terrible game. Teddy Bridgewater was 19 for 27, had a 70.4% completion percentage. Uh, he had two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, the game the game plan was followed to a T. Teddy did exactly what he had to do. He didn't turn the ball over. He kept the script and allowing his teammates to help him win the game. I went over this a lot yesterday. I talked about at nauseum how their game plan was to get the ball to their best player, and that was Alvin Kamara, and they did exactly that. 
again, this is the the probably the best effort of the week on a coaching perspective. Uh, of you have a guy in Sean Payton who literally just knows how to scheme and get his players, even though he's he's missing Breeze, and this team's not the same without Breeze. He's getting him in a position to be able to be successful, and it's awesome. Uh, I'm excited to watch this game on Sunday night. They, uh, Dallas comes into New Orleans to play the Saints. Uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna have to throw a lot of crazy looks at this defense because the Dallas defense is so very athletic. Uh, again, huge. Uh, gonna love to see uh, how this all transpires going forward. Again, um, great job by Sean Payton and great job by Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater to just do exactly what you need to do when you're put in the situation. Just make the easy throws, listen to the game plan, listen to a guy who in Sean Payton who is the offensive guru, and don't turn the ball over. He did all of those things, and they won big versus uh, Seattle over the weekend. Again, if you want to hear me talk about any more of those uh, games from the weekend and recap uh, the week, you can listen to uh, yesterday's episode. Uh, this was mostly just on my thoughts going forward on where the quarterbacks are going to be okay and where they're not. Again, we'll see how it all happens and where it all goes from here. Uh, hold on one second because there's a whole bunch of noise going on. Excuse me. Sorry. Hopefully my neighbors are sometimes the biggest idiots on the planet. Anyway, so, so, uh, where did I, gosh, now I lost my thing, uh, train of thought. God, it's, it's California. Oh yeah. That leads me to my next point. Um, yes, California Jagoffs of the day. So there's really going to be two Jagoffs of the day. Uh, the first one is California. Listen, this is an, an asinine thing. I've never seen it anywhere else I've lived before. And I'm not saying I've lived everywhere, but I've lived in lots of places. So I'll name the places I've lived just so you know. I have lived in Pennsylvania for 18 years of my life. I've moved from there to Florida. I lived in Florida for four years of my life. From there, I... Uh, had a brief stint in New Jersey. From there, I lived in Hawaii for almost two years. From there, I moved to Virginia. I lived there for almost five months. And then from there, I now live in California. So I feel like I have an okay perspective on how people um, from various walks of life and various places around the United States uh, conduct their business. Well, let me tell you right now, I've never seen anybody Okay, and everyone knows who, who listens to me. I don't like California very much, and I don't plan on staying here very long. But I've never seen anybody like these people, what they do, right? If they have shit that they just want to get rid of, right? Like it's accumulating in their house. And instead of throwing it in the trash, right, what they do is say it's like books or like various knickknacks. Uh, that you would be, you know, uh, gather dust in your house, lamps, uh, small tables, uh, you know, coffee table-esque type stuff. Uh, they throw it out on the front of, of the sidewalk and they just say, yeah, go ahead and take it if you want it. Right. But, but it's stuff that nobody wants, right? It's not like, like good, nice use furniture. Like it's crap. It's literally crap but they don't ever want to throw anything away. 
but but they just feel like, oh, I'm just going to go white trash style and, and leave it in the middle of the street in front of everyone, you know, to see what's going on. It, 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 is, it is an absolute disaster. I come home every day and there's always crap everywhere. There's like books everywhere. There, there's just shit all over my lawn. Like, like, and I don't even like, I don't live, I live in an apartment. It's a, it's a small townhouse apartment. It's got like, you know, there are about three other people that have buildings here in my building, but there's always crap every day. There's like just a bunch of shit, like toys, like kids' toys, just various knickknacks of all sorts, just thrown on the lawn and with a science is free. Like, listen, I get what you're trying to do, okay? But let's just say I live in a decent part of town, okay? It's not the best. It's not amazing, right? It's middle class. And, and, and guess what? So if you're trying to give your shit to other middle class people, do you think they really want it? So here's an idea for you California people. Okay, do one of two things. One, throw that shit in the trash. Because if you don't want it, chances are other people here don't want it. Or here's a better idea, okay? Since you all want to be nice and give your shit away, put it in your vehicle, drive it to the nearest, I don't know, Goodwill, charity center and give it away to people who could use it get a tax write-off i don't know but don't leave it on my freaking lawn how about that one okay very simple how about that one all right there off off my chest now we're gonna have to move quickly into this next one because this one pisses me off a lot and it's a really good story that turned into shit so uh i want everyone uh to kind of pay attention hopefully i can get this in here within the next you know uh, nine minutes or so that I have left here. Um, so basically, uh, if you didn't know, there was a story about a kid at Iowa State. Um, his name is Carson King. He was on uh, college game day, was out there for the Iowa-Iowa State game, I believe, over the weekend. He put up a sign that says, Bush Light Supply Needs Replenished, and he put his Venmo tag, which if you don't know what Venmo is, holy crap, go get it. It's an app that lets you transfer money for free when you set up your bank account to it. It's a great app. Anyway, uh, it was a funny sign. He was just looking, you know, to see if anyone would send him beer money. Well, it turns out everyone liked the sign and started sending him like an obscene amount of money, like crazy amounts of money. He he made like five hundred bucks in the first thirty seconds or something that it, that it was on the air, and he just kept racking up and racking up and racking up. Pretty soon, he had over a million dollars in his Venmo account, right? And then this kid, being a nice kid, says, well, "I don't need a million dollars. That's crazy, right?" So this was a joke. Right. I was just looking for extra beer money. Right. I thought people were gonna give me like 50 cents. So he he donates this million dollars to uh, a children's hospital in near the, the campus. I think it's affiliated with the university. It's a children's hospital. Right. So he donates one point one million dollars to uh, the hospital for the, the children's hospital. Then Venmo, the company. Right. And then uh, and also Bush, uh, Amizer Bush sponsored this kid. Uh, the Venmo sponsored him and said they'd match whatever he raised through this endeavor, right? Because, and, and it really started on his own. The kid said, I don't need all this money. I'm going to donate to, and he put it on his Twitter. I'm going to donate this to, you know, the greater good. So it's all hunky-dory. This kid's already raised over $2 million for charity, right? And you want to know what the scumbags over at the Des Moines uh, paper. Let me let me get you the name of of the Des Moines paper, though. Okay, so you guys can all spam them and call them a bunch of scumbags. The Des Moines Register, okay, is a paper in Des Moines, 
Iowa, right? And who the hell wants to live in Des Moines, Iowa? That's your first mistake. Mistake number two was they went through this kid's past, right? So this kid just gave two one million dollars of money that people gave to him, right, for free. Gave it to charity to help sick kids in a hospital. Then got another company to donate another million dollars to the same institute. Then the scumbags at the at the Des Moines uh, Register, they dig into this kid's past and look on his Twitter account when he was 16 years old, and he tweeted uh, a, a racial slur, I guess, at some point when he was 16. And they wrote this whole paper about this kid isn't really a good kid because when he was 16 years old, he said you know the N word or something, and and all of a sudden they the cancel culture made. Because the the Des Moines Register uh, did this, right? Bush, Amizer Bush pulled their sponsorship of this kid, right? They said they were going to donate the money still, but they pulled their sponsorship of this kid. Venmo had to retract their statement that they signed with this kid. They still gave the money, but they said we're not doing, we're not being affiliated with this kid. They made this kid go on national news and apologize for something he did when he was 16 years old. The kid is 24, right? He did this when he was 16, and obviously he's a he's a changed guy. He's a really good guy. He donated $2 million. I understand a million of it wasn't his, but over a million dollars of his own money that he donated through this stupid sign that he had, right? He gave it all to charity, and you know what the scumbags at the Des Moines Register did? They cancel cultured this guy, a guy who donated millions of dollars for a good cause. They cancel cultured him because they said when he was 16, he did dumb things, right? And then guess what? The scumbag who wrote the article turns out he has like 700 tweets, or I'm not, I'm sure I'm exaggerating, but he has a, a plethora of tweets that have all been worse than what this kid said when he was 16. So it is it is the most ass backwards thing the woke media strikes again where they just continue to do stupid stuff because nobody can ever just live in the moment, right? Nobody knew what this kid tweeted when he's 16. Nobody knew who Carson King was until about four days ago when he donates a million dollars to a children's hospital and then out of a game college game day sign. Right, he makes a sign. It's he thinks it's gonna be a joke. All of a sudden, he gets a buttload of money, and instead of being like, "Wow, I'm a millionaire now, thanks a lot," he goes, "I'm gonna be a bigger guy here and donate this to a better cause." And guess what? The scumbags did to him. Unbelievable. Des Moines Register, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. For, for you never been 16 before. We've all done stupid things when we've been 16. I did stupid, stupid stuff when I was 16 years old. You think I want somebody going back in my past and blasting that at me right now and say, well, just because you were 16 and did it and you think you're a changed man now, I have news for you, right? How in the world can we live in a society that literally has a juvenile, uh, like, you know, a juvenile system for criminal, uh, you know, reform where if you commit a crime as a juvenile, we try to make sure that it doesn't get attached to your record when you turn 18, right? That a lot of that stuff gets expunged, right? We live in a society because we deem that we know kids make mistakes when they're young. And here's the Des, the Des Moines Register going back. Not, not only did they did it on their own, they did a background check, went into this kid's past and read tweets from 2012. 
to figure out that this kid said some bad things one time and automatically cancels and negates all the good he just did because of something he did when he was 16. It is unbelievable. Jackasses of the year go to the Des Moines Registry and that scumbag who wrote the article. Unbelievable. Okay? Pull your head out of your ass. Okay? Who cares what the kid did when he was 16 years old? He just got $2 million donated to a children's hospital. Unbelievable. It, it just it, it continues to blow my mind that we live in a society that is this ass backwards in their thinking all the time. Unbelievable. Can't believe it. Carson King, uh, great guy. Uh, super proud of that kid for doing that. Uh, I'm going to give some money to Carson King. Uh, I don't have you know a million dollars to throw his way, but I will totally throw... Uh, 25 bucks to the kid because that's just such a great cause. If you want to donate money to this kid's cause and just to say a big F you to the Des Moines registry, uh, you can donate money at Carson King. So it's Carson dash King, uh, spell with a C C A R S O N dash K I N G or K I N G dash 25 at Venmo donate, whatever you want. It's all going to go to the children's hospital and the proceeds support that. Uh, again, I, I can't say anything more than that. Uh, we just live in a NAS backwards society. A uh, huge shout out to that kid for doing the right thing and evolving. And actually, wow, he grew and became a good man, you know, from being 16. Weird, right? It's weird how people mature and, and become uh, better adults as they grow older. Wow. Uh, anyway, guys, appreciate everyone listening to the podcast today. Uh, please support the podcast. Please share the podcast. Please follow me on Instagram at the rant with Eli. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at the rant Eli, and please email me if you want to ask me questions, ask me about the episodes, whatever. Uh, huge, uh, huge. I am. Oh my Lord. I am so glad that, uh, I have people that support the podcast. So please share the podcast, friends, family, cousins, uncles, aunts, dogs, cats, whoever, uh, and please, uh, support it. Go give me a like and tell me what you like or dislike about the show. Thanks again for listening guys. And I will see you when I see you.